Welcome. This is Nutaku, where we talk things anime and manga. We're not experts or gatekeepers. We are just fans trying to share our love with you. Feel free to interact with us on Instagram and Twitter at NutakuCast. Or email us questions and show requests at Nutaku2019 at gmail.com. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And also, please subscribe and share. I am Jim. And I am Frank. Very eventful week once again in America, across the world. It was a good one. Hopefully we get some results. But how was your week, Frank? Uh, my week was was fine. A lot of a lot of walking, and uh, a lot of drinking too. So uh, some of it is a bit of a blur. I will admit, um, especially because I wasn't I hadn't been drinking that much. So my tolerance is uh, way lower than it used to be, I had found out. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much been my week. A lot of kind of uh, keeping up with things and, uh, you know, keeping informed. But uh, how about you? How was your week? Of course I have questions. You can't just say these things and then just walk away. Like, where were you drinking? Where were you walking? If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But no, no, no. Uh, yeah, no. That's that's perfectly fair. I mean, uh, you know, I was uh, I was marching throughout Philadelphia numerous days. Some days I had to take off just because of my. Uh, I like it's weird because I run like semi regularly, but I guess like just marching and walking has really like messed up my legs. Which is, I, I don't know, I guess because I walk strangely, I don't know. But I was doing that, and I got really bad sunburn, too. And because I was wearing a mask and sunglasses, uh, you know, everything is all kind of spotty. So my face is, is not as cute as it usually is, Jim, I'm sorry to say. Uh, and uh, in terms of drinking, usually by myself or with my brother, uh, mainly... IPAs, which, as I know, you know, I don't drink beer that often, so it's just the the thing that's kind of the the easiest, I guess, right now, because my brother keeps a lot of booze in the house. IPAs are proven to be quite dehydrating as well. They tell you to eat salty snacks and drink plenty of water when you're drinking IPAs. I like the mixed cocktail when I'm lounging around the house. It leaves me less of a hangover because I'm usually mixing with club soda. So it's kind of like alcoholic water. So I'm a big fan of doing that. I've been drinking... Uh, there's a pizza place that's near us in South Philly called Chiquita Pizzeria. It's uh, owned by a Mexican family, I believe. And they are doing weekly or sometimes daily margarita specials where you order from them. And you get a big jug of margarita mix, and then you just add your tequila to it. And it's amazing. I don't have lime juice, though, and I can tell that they don't make it with lime juice. One of the key elements of a margarita, tequila, of course, the other side, is lime juice. So it's basically just like a, I mean, ours was mango pineapple. So we had, like, basically tequila pina coladas, which were delicious, but it was not a margarita. I got to go get some lime juice. What else were you doing? Oh, that sounds... Did you do the big march? Did you do the big march on uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, if you want me to get down into the nitty gritty, I was I was out on Saturday. Uh, I was <laughs> accidentally so I went out Saturday and I had went out 
the uh, last Saturday as well, and both times I had found myself at the front. This past Saturday was more of an accident because I was hungover from the night before, and uh, I showed up late to the protest, which was at the Art Museum in Philadelphia, for those who are not familiar. And so I was behind everyone, and as soon as I showed up, everyone turned around and marched. So I was, it was kind of cool, like accidentally at the front. Um, and it was a good time. I mean, I was, I was really proud of the city. There was no, uh, there was nothing negative to say about it whatsoever. In fact, I even saw uh, a city official comment and had said that the sanitation department was apparently expecting a lot of trash. So, you know, they had were posted up, I guess, afterwards to go clean up, and there was so little trash that they were forced to pick up debris from a recent storm that we had had, which I found pretty funny. Nice. Isn't it nice when you clean up after yourself? What a wonderful city we can have. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I would like like to see more of that, but, you know, one, one thing at a time, I guess. Yeah. Let's get let's get through uh, racial injustice first before we get to cleanliness. <laughs> I guess on the on the scale of importance, I, would, I think that one it supersedes everything else. <laughs> I think you might be right. I think uh, yeah, it, it's that that one's pretty high up there. <laughs> I guess I we should note for anyone living underneath a rock that uh, the protests were against police brutality, social injustice, particularly in people of color. And Frank was out there doing it. I'd been protesting with my wallet because with my wife working in healthcare, the chances of me getting COVID-19 increase the more people I'm around and her being our only source of income. I can't risk going out, getting it, possibly getting it to her. And then we have no money. So I guess the, the big lesson is just if you support the cause, which if you don't, why are you listening to us? Um, <laughs> You should uh, do it with your wallet if you can't do it physically, right? Yeah, that's actually a really good point uh, that you bring up, is if, for whatever reason, I mean, you should do what you think you can do, whatever that may be. Everybody is different. Everybody's circumstances are different. You know, even if it's something as simple as, you know, taking a few minutes to sign a petition or, you know, talk to somebody about what is going on and... Uh, or donate money or march, whatever, you know, everybody's kind of different in that regard. But do something, you know, it's, it just don't stand there or, or remain silent because it's it's definitely not the time for that. Yep. No commitment equals complicity in things like this. It's definitely a black or white issue. There's no grays here. It's either you aren't a racist <laughs> or you're a fucking racist. That's all there is to it. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Speaking of which, speaking of angry-ass shit, have you listened to the new Run the Jewels album, Frank? I have not yet, but uh, I want to. I heard that they, I think they released it for free, right? They did. It's also on Spotify as well. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so angry. This is it, man. Fucking pissed-ass album. I love it. I highly recommend checking that out. Once again, parental discretion is advised, but yeah, check it out. Frank, you said you bought a bunch of books, correct? And you said you weren't reading them. 
Let's get an update on your books. Where you at? <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, Frank's Book Corner. I'm all about this. I can. Uh, I did read. I was reading Curious Case of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Hayden, which is a book that had come out, I think, like ten years ago, and it's uh, the protagonist is like a um, young boy who has autism. And he's just trying to figure out um, how this dog had died in his neighborhood. And uh, it's a it's a nice little book. You kind of see things through his eyes as somebody who is on the spectrum. He is uh, uh, more on uh, higher functioning. Like, he's very good with math and uh, problem solving and things like that. But, you know, he, he is definitely clearly autistic. Uh, and it's really well done. It's a quick read. It's like 200 pages. Um, it was very enjoyable. I recommend that. And I started up Memory Police by Yoko Okawa. Ogawa, I think. Yoko Ogawa. Um, it's a sci-fi book from 1994, but was just recently translated into English like last year, like six months ago. Uh, I haven't gotten too deep into it. I just read the first chapter, and so far I like where it's going. It's uh, I think it's about a island of people who um, have their memories erased as like a whole. So um, they just they remember kind of vaguely what the thing was that would get removed. And uh, that's it. They don't have any, like, emotional connection. They don't have any, like, direct memories of it. But it's, like, so far, it's, like, something as small as, like, they don't remember, like, you know, pencils or something like that. And uh, they can kind of, I guess, identify it, but they just, there's just nothing there. Uh, it's interesting. And I've only read a chapter or two, so I can't speak too much to it. But uh, I'm digging it so far. And, uh, yeah, there you go. So I am making a dent. I do recommend both those books. The story follows a novelist on an island under the control of the memory police. An unknown force causes the people of the island to collectively forget objects or concepts. Hats, perfume, birds, ribbon. That's all, I, that's all I'm going to read into it. And it is, you're correct, it was Yoko Ogawa who wrote it. So you suggest, correct? Yes, so far. Like I said, I, I've read about two chapters of it, but uh, yeah, based off that uh, that description, um, yeah, I mean, it, it seems cool, and I'm always down for, like, really cool-sounding sci-fi books. So, well, I, I'll check back in maybe in a week or two, and I, I, I imagine I'd probably finish it, because that, that's another one that's, like, it's, like, 150 pages. It's, it's not a big guy at all. All right, I said I started... Uh, Stephen King's The Stand. Uh, I'm about 10% through of this 1,000-page uh, book, and I got sunburned in the yard reading it. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> that's about all I'm going to say about that. Frank, to one of your points, I started Kim's Convenience. Oh, did you? What do you yeah. think? Very funny, cute, very cute, very funny. Uh, the shit is four seasons long, bro. <laughs> Also, I'm going to call you out on a little something. I didn't realize you were watching this and four seasons of 13 episodes apiece while neglecting your anime duties, Frank. I got to call you out on that. I'm sitting here watching episodes of fucking listeners while you're having fun 
watching Kim's Convenience. This is unbelievable. I can put all this work in, and you're out here having fun with the Kim family, Mr. Kim, and his makeup during his photo shoot. I mean, it's a it's a fair call out. It is. Uh, it is just one of those shows where I kind of fell into it, and um, I think I mentioned it. It's it it's very comforting. It's a comforting show. There's nothing like too uh, abrasive or negative in it. So it, uh, I kind of fell into that. It, it lulled me into a sense of security. But yeah, that's a that's a solid call out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's cute. It reminds me of uh, like blackish, and not just because of race. It's just a look as a white person to look at someone else's culture and how they react to things and how they treat different items and issues within their culture. It's pretty cute. It's funny. Yeah, it's definitely it, it's definitely worth uh, oh, sorry, worth ahead. checking out. I think at least the first couple episodes to just just kind of like you had said, it's a, it is very much like Blackish. It's a that's a good call. Yeah, I think we we watched four episodes, and um, then uh, I think my wife was getting bored, so we switched over to Queer Eye Philadelphia. Did you watch any of Queer Eye in Philadelphia yet? I did not. No, I'm not a I'm not a Queer Eye guy. I know that there's a it has a very big fan base though. I'm going to have to make it mandatory you go watch Queer Eye Japan, then you're going to have to watch the Tokyo season. Okay. It's very good. It's very uplifting, and it makes you feel good. Uh, well, you might cry a couple times, but uh, the first episode is in is a pastor in Fishtown, the Fishtown neighborhood of Philadelphia, which is your neighborhood, Frank. That is. That is my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you want to find Frank in person, just start walking around. <laughs> I live very close to, yeah, the main stretch of... Uh of activity in Fishtown. So there you guys go. You can kind of pinpoint me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to reveal where he was. Big secret. Okay. So the first episode is about this pastor. And now no shade, no shade at all on the man. Okay. But I asked my wife, I was like, how old do you think this guy is? And I joked and I was like, I'm going to say he looks about 50 years old. And she's like, Hmm. She looked it up. This gentleman is much younger than me. She was baffled how someone could look that old and be younger than me. And I told her she was blessed to have this hunk of meat unspoiled by high fructose corn syrup and deep fried potatoes. Thank you very much. That's what happens. All those chemicals are really just uh, just preserving your cells. <laughs> I'm preserved in alcohol. No high fructose corn syrup. Thank you. Are you ready? I've been keeping you waiting. For I am break. ready. Uh, yes, for sure. This is like the only thing me and Jim have this... actually kind of talked about uh, this week outside of the podcast. Okay. So, Buffy Season 4. I finished it. I finished it this morning. I actually fell asleep last night. Speaking of which, I went to my brother's pool and barbecued. We had a good time relaxing, talking about all the things in the world that are going on and had a couple of Corona premiums, which is like their low-carb light beer, which tastes just like Corona and Corona Light. I don't get the difference. But I twisted my ankle really bad <laughs> twice. <laughs> working the, well, somehow working the grill because it's close head. Did it. but, <laughs> you yeah. twisted your ankle while you were working the grill? Yes, because I'm walking around the grill. It's not a, it wasn't a gas grill. It's a, it's a uh, charcoal grill. So you gotta kind of you can't really reach across that open flame. You'll burn sure. yourself. So like I'm walking around it, and yeah, twice that he's got like a little ditch in his in his yard, and uh, <laughs> I twisted my ankle twice. 
I have to go to the doctor and get my leg looked at next on Friday. And I've been working out like nonstop for like, I don't know, 50 days straight or something like that. And one of my big uh, things in my workout is doing Hindi push-ups, which is like you spread your legs out, you do mm. this, this push-up thing. You can look it up online. But it's one of my big items, but part of it is resistance on your legs. So I'm like, I can't. I'm going to try to do them. I uh, don't want to break my streak. But, yeah, I twisted my ankle pretty bad. And I have to go to the doctor on Friday. And I my plan is to walk to the doctor. So I have to heal this leg by the time I go to the doctor. So this way I can work to the doctor, get my leg nice and juicy for the examination, and hopefully be able to get some corrective surgery. But, anyway, back to the main, main, <laughs> the main subject. Buffy season four, or as I'll call it, Buffy the freshman years. Okay, so the gang is in college, except for Xander, because Xander didn't go to college. He's living in his mom's basement. So Buffy's having a hard time fitting in, and Oz, the werewolf boyfriend, leaves Willow to find a cure for his lycanthropy, 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 or a.k.a. he goes, apparently, to go be on Angel's solo show with Cordelia, which we found, which Tina, my, oops, oops, I used her name, which my wife uh, revealed to me. I had to ask her. I was like, is he, like, actually the show, or is he, like, going over to Angel's show? She's like, no, he's commuting to Angel's show. I was like, okay. Okay, so the main story of this is that there's this military science outfit who are killing and capturing demons and monsters while wearing white supremacist militia garb. But two of the doctors are creating super soldiers, going so far as to create a Frankenstein's monster out of demon parts named Adam. Uh, I did mention last week, one of the best episodes of the series happened in the season, uh, Hush. It's about these interdimensional creepy guys in suits, and they take the voice from all of Sunnydale and start collecting their hearts. But most of the ep- episode, like probably 75% of the episode, has no dialogue. It's just noise, but no dialogue. Very cool episode, but there are some terrible episodes and characters in this season. By far the worst episode. Frank, feel free to chime in if you remember this episode. I'm going to describe it, and I'll wait for you at the end. The worst episode of the series so far, the Jonathan episode. So there's this recurring minor character who we haven't seen since he like tried to commit suicide in season three. He suddenly shows up like 15 seasons in, and he's a prominent character suddenly. He even features in the opening credits. And to no viewer's surprise, including myself, the reason why he's promised is because he cast a spell to make himself the most popular person in the world. It was a shitty, predictable gag episode that did nothing to enhance the show. I legit, I told my wife, I was like, if I was watching the show live, I would have turned this shit off and never watched it again after this episode. Frank, Ooh, woof, woof. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I do, I do know the character. Um, it is a little jarring that he pops up the way that he does, but, uh, it'll make sense, I guess, kind of later on. Uh, they, uh, yeah, I, I do know what you're talking about. Season four is definitely a little bit of a weird one. Like when it happened and they showed him suddenly being prominent, I was like, I looked at my wife. I was just like, are right, really? We're going to do this. This is the episode we're going to do. It's just like, no, it's kind of funny. I was like, I guarantee you, I won't laugh the whole episode. And without trying, I did not laugh at all. I was like, that was stupid. Okay, <clears throat> let me continue. I got a lot to talk about this season. 
So, here we go. Here's one of my major issues with the season. We have Buffy, who is like full mouth making out and banging dudes this season. But hopefully, because this was 20 years ago, we can't even see Willow and her new girlfriend kiss or even mention sex or even vocalize that they are in a queer relationship. So once again, please, let's get over this shitty queer representation on the show. Hopefully they evolve at some point. We also get one person of color in the show. I'm not going to he's like a, a subordinate to Buffy's new boyfriend, but he's a piece of shit sexist. He sucks. And then the season finale was fun. It was, it had like some abstract dream sequences and like there was some Twin Peaks stuff. And then Principal Snyder shows up who died in season three. Uh, he, as Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now, if you're not familiar with that character, like it's an Apocalypse Now scene because Xander, if anyone watched the show and remembers, one day got possessed by a military guy and knows military stuff now. It's very silly, but it sticks throughout the whole show, which kind of, it's like, I like the consistency of that. Now our power rank. Yes. You ready? Okay. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Top of the power rankings for this season, season four, the college years, the freshman years, Spike. Spike has been chipped by this, this military agency and can't, like, rage out. So it's almost like a Clockwork Orange kind of brain trick thing. So he's therefore part of the gang for a lot of the show, and he excels at being a dick and is amazing. He's constantly in the show and constantly a full, like something that pushes the story forward, but in a dickish way all the time. He's amazing. Next, Anya. Anya dives in. She's a woman that is dating Xander, but she is a th thousands of years old. She used to be a demon of vengeance. She Cordelia leaves, and Anya jumps right into Cordelia's shoes. She's the no-filter character. She has even less of a filter than Cordelia did, and she's hilarious every friggin' scene. Now we get to the new member of the gang, Tara. This is Willow's witchy girlfriend. She's bullied and stutters. I, I became attached with this character, even though she only had a couple of scenes, and I'll be bummed if she turns heel, which we'll get to at some point. Willow, she has the saddest moments of the show and still remains one of the most consistent characters. And for the first time on the list, Joyce, Buffy's mom, she's not in it much. But her reactions to the main character's dire situations, because at the beginning of the show, she was not aware of what Buffy did. She was the slayer killing vampires. Now that she knows, she asks, how is your night and stuff like that? And they usually say, oh, I just had to kill a couple of demons. She goes, oh, do you guys want hot chocolate and snacks? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's totally normal for her now. So she's kind of worked her way into it. She's not a, she's not like an antagonist almost of the show, which is like, got to hide it from mom. Or at one point, she's like, creates a... Uh, women against drunk driving, moms against drunk driving type thing, and she's trying to stop vampires. But she's adorable now on the show. It's just like someone that pops in and, and makes these little jokes. Now we're getting to the middle and almost to the bad. Now there's a couple people in the bad. Giles. He does have a great standalone episode where the sorcerer Ethan Rain turns him into a demon, but he's speaking demon and not English, and nobody knows it's him. And plus he now does open mic nights where he... <laughs> plays acoustic guitar coffee shops which is great his scene in the finale where he does like a Dave, uh, a David Bowie like Brian Furry crooning thing in his dream sequence was awesome okay here we go here comes the doo doo list alright the big bad guy in our season is Adam he's basically Frankenstein's monster I'm not a fan I was not a fan of the whole arc of this season it was very silly 
All right. But, uh, Xander. Let's go with Xander. Xander is still a piece of shit. But he isn't in college with his friends. And he lives in his mom's basement and has a different job every episode where he wears a different uniform according to to what his job is, which is kind of fun. Like he's an ice cream salesman. At one point, he's like doing a pyramid scheme. Uh, but in the season finale, we get a look at his need for the 90s term HLA. Frank, do you know what HLA stood for in the 90s? Uh, no, I have no idea what that is. It's a term that is no longer used, thank God. It stood for hot lesbian action. And he has this fantasy about Tara and Willow, which he references multiple times, that he wants to get in on it. Guess what? That's not, way, that's not the way queer relationships work. You don't force yourselves into things. That sucks. Xander still sucks. <laughs> Fuck it. So now we get to the bottom two. I hope you're not surprised by the bottom one, but here we go. The bottom two. Riley. This is Buffy's new boyfriend. He's got a lot of fragile male ego, as a lot of these guys in the show do this season. Uh, he's often racist against monsters, unless Buffy tells him that it's bad to be racist. So he's constantly on a lesson. He's often jealous of her, and it's not a great look overall. Him as a character just stinks. Last on my list, the title character, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Her character has started to slip, if you go back and listen to my reviews week to week, since season one, I kind of liked her. She was near the top. She slowly slipped since the beginning. She's now dead last. She disses her friends for a new guy, so much so that she had no idea or indication that Willow was dating a woman, her best friend. Her taste in men is terrible, which would be excusable for anyone at, you know, whatever age she's supposed to be. I guess like 19, 20 years old, whatever she's portraying. I think she's in her mid-20s, the actual actress. And, of course, she can fuck whoever she wants. She's a woman. You do whatever you want, right? But she's a slayer. She has a responsibility not to go running off with dudes that we, the viewer, know are not going to eventually be here and may disappear at any point. At first, I felt bad for her, like she's cursed to do this job that no one else can do. But I have an analogy for you, Frank. Imagine the slayer is like dating a fire person or a healthcare worker. They're going to be working a lot, and you may not see them as often as you'd like, but it is important what they do. Their job is very important. Do better, Buffy. Find yourself a husband or wife that doesn't mind only seeing you once in a while. Find a house husband, like me, but not me, because I have my own vampire slayer. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So my review oh. is finished. Do you have points for that? No, I just wanted to go talk ahead. on the whole with season four, but you go on and finish, and then I'll I'll come in. All right, let me get, let me get my new Taku review for Buffy the Buffy. The Buffy. Vamp the Vampire Slayer season four not good. Some episodes, but the main story and secondary characters. Some episodes were great. Okay, let's get let's rephrase this. Some of the episodes were great and very funny. The show I've said before excels when it's being humorous, but the main character and the secondary characters and the main story, for the most part, are what's the word I'm looking for? Dumb. The season finale kind of hints at some plot going forward with Tara. I said it earlier, this show would have lost me if it, well, I wasn't watching for the podcast, but I will carry on for all of you. Not good is my new Taco ranking for season four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Frank, any thoughts? So the thing with season four, I feel like is it's such a weird season, and a lot of people say it's like one of the worst ones, and I kind of have to agree because while there are, like you had noted, some standout episodes, some of them, like Hush, 
a lot of people consider to be like one of the greatest episodes in the series total. Uh, it's definitely like the weakest season. The big bad Adam and like the whole government thing is is like a lame big bad. It's it's not fun. Um, and they had this. I I think I had read that there was like a push because they were on the WB at the time. That's when they like really split off and they had Angel as as the spinoff show. So they had a lot of weird things where like you had mentioned Oz goes to join the cast of Angel, and there's seems to be more of a push where it's, like, the creatives, I feel like, got divided with both shows, which isn't as much of a thing in the following seasons. Like, I, I think they have maybe one or two, like, crossover ones. Um, but, yeah, season four, man, I mean, the good news that I think, anyway, is it's, like, my least favorite season. So if me and you are... Um, you know, it, the same in that regard. It, it, it's only going to go up from here. <laughs> yeah, it, there's definitely an episode right before the final arc where they battle Adam, where Angel shows up in the one episode. I'm like, okay. And then the, it's a two-parter, and I think in the second part, they go previously on both of the vampires layer. And we have a scene of something happening on Angel, which, I mean, I don't, I'm assuming it all ties together, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch Angel. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, I just assumed that there was a lot of crossover that I didn't catch because of Angel, but I can't see that stating a season at all. Like, me watching season whatever, two or one of Angel isn't going to suddenly change my mind about this season. Because the bad ones were... A lot of the bad... And, you know, we talked about anthology shows before, and X-Files is the one we always go back to as a reference. Shows like this, where you have an over, overwhelming or overriding storyline but you have standalone episodes a lot of times on those shows the standalone episodes are the best ones in this season of Buffy in particular some of the standalone episodes were really 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 bad <laughs> all right let's move on I hope you enjoyed that I mean I did I did do for some news? sure yeah uh we can do some news let's do this Listener, our listeners are probably cursing me how dare you talk poorly oh <laughs> Buffy <laughs> okay we're all here to disagree, right? But agree on one thing. Black Lives Matter. Or don't listen to us. Uh, <laughs> news. The news that Looney Tunes is rebooting Elmer Flood. Uh, Elmer Fudd? Elmer Fudd. And he will not carry a rifle, Frank. Uh, I feel like this is just like that whole thing that they had with uh, Cookie Monster a little while back, where they were talking about how they were going to like yeah, reduce the amount of cookies he was eating or replace it with carrots or something. Uh, it's fine. I mean, you know, uh, Looney Tunes is like how old now? Like, it's got to be ancient, right? Yeah, but they used to. They started as shorts at the beginning, and between films during double features and stuff in the wartime, World War Two, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds about right. I know it's it's been around for a long time, and you know what? Things change. Uh, the world changes. Maybe you don't have to have a children's cartoon character carry a carry a gun. Uh. You know, Frank, you may find this surprising, but gun people are angry for some imagined internet rage reason. They're ruining the past, Frank. How dare they? We can't change. We have to stay with stuff that's a hundred years old. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, even if it's, uh, you know, because everything in the past is always so hunky-dory. The past is is always great. I always wonder, like, these, like, things were better back in the day. People that complained on the Internet realized that they wouldn't be able to complain on the Internet if it wasn't for today. I mean, (laughs) they're often like, man, I'm tapping away. This is me typing. I'm so angry and send. They wouldn't be able. They'd have to write it down, and hopefully that the mailman can get it there in two weeks. All right, next up, Crunchyroll Expo canceled. It will resume August sixth through the eighth in twenty twenty, twenty twenty one next year. Dude, at uh, this at this point, I feel like they should just be canceling all these conventions and expos and stuff because we're like more than halfway through, and I feel like just rip the bandaid off. Stop giving people the reschedule for next year exactly just like at this you know like i said halfway through 2020 just push it all 2021 or do what uh every some of these other places are doing and do an online thing that you know nobody will really care about but here's an online one the aniplex online fest will be streaming in english on youtube july 4th through the 5th uh, that's two days, so July 4th and 5th. The festival will feature a, a quote, the festival will feature a diverse array of online content, including talk shows with the staff and cast from popular anime, special appearances and past live shows from musical artists, and behind-the-scenes stories from the anime industry. Frank, will you be spending your 4th of July holiday on YouTube watching the Aniplex Online Fest. So that's that's uh, what I have written down here, where, I mean, you know, for U.S. audiences, it's definitely a, a hell of a move to, to do it for the 4th of July weekend, which is usually, even myself, who doesn't really go out of the house much, you know, has plans. Um, the panels and stuff, they actually seem cool. There are some of the, or at least, like, the guests that they have. Like, they have... People who worked on Cells at Work, uh, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, and uh, Kaguya-sama Love is War. So those seem cool, but I mean, like, maybe I'll go back and watch it when I'm hoping, I imagine, it's recorded on YouTube. But, yeah, to watch it live, like, there's, like, no shot that, that I'm going to be doing that. How about you? No, I mean, I, th- I think we're thinking of it as a, from a U.S. perspective, because, you know, July 4th weekend is not a worldwide holiday. It's just for us, but I don't know. Like It's it's going to be a worldwide event if it's online, so if it's based out of Japan, July 4th doesn't necessarily mean anything to them. It just means something to us. So. Alright. I have some more news about a con, but I'll get there later. Uh, that time I got reincarnated as slime season 2 has been delayed due to the effects of COVID-19, Frank. Season two is going to be two cores. Frank, can you define the television term core for our listeners? Sure. A core uh, is 12 episodes, sometimes 13. It's split in half from kind of a standard view of what a American season traditionally is, which is, you know, 24. So core is split up over two. So this one I'm guessing is fall and winter. Or did did they just push it entirely? I, I have these answers. I am ready. It was originally scheduled for broadcast starting in fall of this year, and with the second course showing up in spring of 2021, it's moved to winter 
of 2021, which would be January and summer of 2021, so July. I am wondering... I am wondering if, like, fall is going to be the one season for anime that's going to be the most affected, because it seems like we're just starting Mm -hmm. to get some of these kind of, you know, major players that are just getting... They're just getting pushed, which, I mean, is understandable, but now I'm starting to wonder if fall is going to be the one where we're not going to have too many new shows. Yeah, what if we have a situation where we have, we're so jammed up in summer because all the spring shows being pushed back, and then we don't have anything in fall, and then we're all jammed up in winter where we're watching 20 shows that get caught up. Sounds pretty intense for a podcast, but stay safe out there. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Six feet. One meter. <laughs> Next up, the Blu-ray standard edition of Makoto Shinkai's Weathering With You anime film, ranked number one on Oricon's overall Blu-ray disc ranking for the May 25th through 31st week, with almost 60,000 units sold. And the Blu-ray came in second with 40,000 units sold. The uh, film's DVD standard edition also ranked number one in overall DVD ranking sales with almost 40,000 units sold. All three releases shipped on May 27th. Pretty impressive. Uh, Shinkai products make money, Frank. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, because I feel like hand-in-hand, a lot of people who like to watch anime and animated-related things, they like to collect as well. And uh, I had found out through doing some research is that there's currently no, at least seemingly, legal way to stream this. So for you to watch it, you have to get the DVD or the Blu-ray. I mean, that's the only way right now, I think, that you can actually see it if you didn't see it in theaters. So good for them. I looked up uh, uh, your name earlier, and there's no way to watch that unless you have a physical release or pirately. Next up. No, 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 I was saying shh. Uh, you don't want to the give secrets. away the secrets. Gotcha. <laughs> Frank, can you believe that we might be doing this in person soon? I don't have to step on your jokes. Yeah, I know. All my my all my jokes are are you're it, they're they're all completely destroyed by timing, and we don't have to do the whole. Hopefully, it's gonna be weird, man. I'm just gonna say because. I'm so used to either me or you going, oh, wait, wait, no, no, you know what? You're good. No, you go ahead. You speak. <laughs> so, now I'll be able to see your, you know, physical kind of tells to to kind of go off of a little bit more, and it'll be a little smoother. Oh, my box of tissues, like I do every time, blowing my nose. Uh, the io9 website, you familiar? I am. Okay. They had an interview with the writer of the Netflix live adaptation of Cowboy Bebop. His name is Javier Grillo Markzulich. All right, and I quote, you ready? This is from their website. You can't look at Cowboy Bebop and say, well, it's just a takeoff point. We're going to, ha- we're going to give them different hair and different clothing, and we're going to call it something different. And it's just sort of going to be a loose thing, he said. If you're doing Cowboy Bebop, you're doing Cowboy Bebop. You know? It's like doing Star Wars. The article continues. It says, however, um, while it takes inspiration from the anime, this version of Cowboy Bebop is not a straight one-to-one adaptation. It will have its own narrative, partly because it will be 
hour-long episodes rather than 22-minute installments, interesting, which affects the pacing. As Grio Mark, Mark Suich, hopefully I'm saying his name correctly, put it, the anime already exists and it's fantastic. This is not a replacement for the original show. It's just a new piece of canon. Quote, we don't want the fans of the show to look at it and say that we failed them or we failed the original, he told us. Another reason for making tweaks to Bebop's story is that the team behind the show wanted to broaden out Spike's story into a longer narrative in and of itself, which uh, uh, kind of like that which The Witcher did with Geralt, Jennifer, and Ciri. Uh, the original Bebop features many self-contained stories around those that advance its larger arcs, but in a Netflix drama, there's more room to expand. So there you go. That's what they're talking about doing with the Cowboy Bebop, and it doesn't sound too scary, Frank. No, I don't think it sounds too scary, and at least when I had heard about this project, now it's, I think, like almost two years ago when they announced it, I was not expecting a one-to-one remake, so I don't know if there were people that were, and that this is disappointing news for them, Um, but in that sort of situation, especially with with a live-action uh, adaptation of something that already exists and already something that has, you know, as l- much love as it does. I feel like it's almost a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Because if you do a one to one remake or as close to one as you can do, uh, if you mess something up, you know, you're going to get every, every nerd out the yin yang coming out saying, you know, I can't believe that you did this this way. But then on the other hand, if, if you go too far off course, then everybody's going to just, be mad that you didn't put this in here or that in here and it's uh so i think them getting ahead of it and kind of putting that out into the universe and saying hey you know what there's going to be some changes especially with them saying that it was uh it was going to be an hour which i actually did not know i thought that they were going to you know keep it to in between 20 and 30 minutes um i'm, I'm interested to see i mean I, i'm keeping an open mind about it Yeah, I can't wait to see how angry uh, the internet is when Faye Valentine's gravity-defying costume with suspenders is altered a little bit. They're going to be so upset. Are you familiar with the anime studio Ufotable? Uh, I am not, no. Well, you should be, Frank, because they created the smash hit with everyone but me, Demon Slayer Kometsu no Yaiba. We've talked about him a couple times. Well... The Tokyo District Public Prosecutor Office has charged both Ufotable as a company and Hikaru Kondo personally with violating the Corporation Tax Act and the Consumption Tax Act. You ready for this? Kondo has been alleged has been alleged to have moved income from Tokyo-based cafes run by Ufotable and falsely reported income statements in 2015, 2017, and 2018, concealing about 446 million yen, which translates to about $4 million U.S. from taxation. Um, if listeners at home are unfamiliar or frank, there are a lot of cafes in Tokyo and Japan based on properties. There's a Gundam one. There's multiple Gundam ones all across Japan. And I'm assuming that there's ones about ufotable stuff. Um so he uh, allegedly evaded paying $110 million in corporate tax and $29 million in consumption tax. This is Yen. Uh, Kondo reportedly used the unpaid tax money to fund 
and more Ufotable projects. Ufotable did release a statement on their website on the charges and that they had paid back all the taxes owed for the periods of time and had been working closely with the Taxation Bureau to comply with all laws and regulations and create a product production environment that is sustainable to create better work. Strength, thoughts? Uh, you cannot, you cannot do- dodge the taxes, Jim. Death and taxes, they're the only two sure things in life. Uh, I had found, too, I had done a little research of my own, because occasionally I, I do like to do that. Um, I know, right? <laughs> and I had found out in one of the articles, they had stated that the founder president, he took, so he took, I guess to hide it, 30% of the profits... And then hid it in his own personal safe. So I guess he just had yeah. stacks and stacks of cash in in this safe, safe to 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 evade the taxes. It obviously didn't work, but I, I found that to be kind of a uh, kind of funny. I uh, side story. I had a boss that was the head of a charitable organization, and he borrowed money from that charitable organization while he was boss. And or while he was head of the charitable organization, and to pay his back taxes on his business, and then pay the charity back in increments. So he basically took donation money from private citizens, paid his taxes with it, and then slowly paid it back. Yeah, that's not legal. <laughs> that's not legal. He's dead now. That guy. Jeez. He was a very nice guy, but he died. He's a scumbag, but he died. Uh, yeah, don't mess with taxation. It's not a good idea. That's what they always come for. Okay, we talked about this uh, next item during our last news segment a couple of weeks ago, so here's the conclusion of it. Police arrested 21-year-old male Kyoto resident Fukuda Kishimoto on Tuesday on suspicion of intimidation and forcible obstruction of business. Uh, According to the police statement, the subject has been threatening anime staff and cast members over the Internet. According to the Sankei Shimbun newspaper and the public television network NHK, the suspect had been posting on message boards threatening to murder anime director Tatsuki of uh, Kimono Friends, as well as Kimono Friends voice actress, her family and staff members, by stabbing them and setting them on fire. The threats allegedly referenced the 2019 Kyoto animation fire that killed 36 people and injured 33. According to Sankei Shimbun and NHK, once the voice actress reported the threat to the police, the anime staff had temporarily halted work, hence the obstructing business charge. Uh, NHK identified, identified the voice actress as Yui Ishikawa. We talked about this. She did. She does the voice of Misa Ackerman on Attack on Titan. According to the investigation, the suspect admitted to the charges and said in the disposition that he had a personal grudge against the director that did not intend to actually hurt him. Frank. Fuck him, Jim. I think it's time to <laughs> I think it's time to bring back a classic new Taku segment, the Fuckum segment, and that's it right here. That dude sucks. But I didn't really want to hurt him. I just threatened to kill them and burn them. Isn't that can I do that? Isn't that what the internet's for? Bullying and personal grudges, imagined ones in particular. Disgusting. Disgusting is right. Get a life, some dude. Be- some better. Yeah, well, he's going to be in jail for a while, I'm sure. He's not going to see life in a long time. Uh, so, now some good news. Anime Limited, 
also known as All the Anime, is a British anime distribution company based in Scotland. They had their Cloud Matsuri Con, but they did it virtually. It happened on May 30th to the 31st, and here's some of the items they discussed. First up, CG Anime Studio Orange. You may remember them as the company that did B-Stars. Their president and founder, Iji Inamoto, revealed in an interview during Anime Limited's Cloud Matsuri Online event that the company is working on a CG remake of an unnamed title that might be familiar. Uh, the studio is also known for its uh, adaptation of Land of the Lusterous and, of course, B-Stars. They've done, they're known for their CG work, and they do a pretty damn good job. We have a question later, and we'll talk about, talk about any kind of prospective ideas. But if Orange is making something old, you know it's going to be well done. Also, Anime Studio Science Sorrow CEO Yoon Jong Choi revealed in an interview during the event that uh, besides Masaki Yuasa's upcoming Japan Sinks 2020 Netflix anime, uh, the Science Arrow is also working on another TV show with another director. I don't think Science Arrow has done anything without Mas- Masaki Yuasa. Uh, Choi and Yuasa founded Science Arrow in 2013. If you remember, Yuasa resigned as president of Science Arrow on March 25th. Um, Yuasa and Science Arrow's adaptation of Sumito Owara's Keep Your Hands Off the Izuken was an amazing smash hit. We loved it, and it, it showed up in January 5th. So, Frank. Sorrow is moving on. They're creating something without Masaki Yuasa. I'm excited for it. And we're getting a new CG anime from Orange. Good times. Good times to be a fan. Yeah, definitely. It's it's always great to see people who produce, you know, the good work and a great product continue to get work. You know what I mean? There's nothing really wrong with that. And uh, rightfully so. I mean, both Orange and uh, Science Aro, they, they both do great work. So I'm excited to see anything that kind of comes out of, of, you know, either camps. And that's all the news. Psych! The trailer for Attack on Titan final season dropped, Frank. What'd you think? Jim, I am excited for it. I mean, you know, it's the final season. Stuff got a little wild last time we had, which now I think about it was, I guess it was a year ago, right? More than a year ago is when, uh, was it spring of last year is when, when it doesn't matter. You know, th- I'm going to have yeah, to check. things. Things got wacky. There was a couple twists and turns. You know, the the last season was a little uneven, but overall, I think that uh, it really kind of came into its own and had a, a big WTF moment. And uh, that trailer <laughs> definitely emphasizes that and um, shows some interesting things. I will say, if you are not caught up and you or you care about spoilers, probably don't watch the trailer because, uh, yeah. You're you're just gonna get spoiled for it. <laughs> don't, yeah, do, don't that, do that. No. Go get caught. Go get caught up on the show. We have a while until it shows up. I don't think we get it until when do we get it? Fall. Yeah, I want to say it's fall, but I mean, this is another one that I feel like is they they might push back unless it's something where they're like the only show that's in fall and they're like, well, all eyes are on us. This is great. Yeah, I think they have to be mm. determined is what they have as their date. So we're still up in the air. Um, yeah, it looked intense. Uh, if you want to listen to our review of the last season, season four, I believe is the last one, 
uh, go back and listen to the archives, but I was of the Game of Thrones mindset of it, where they should have cut it off at some point. But I'm excited because we got an intense, looks like an intense season coming up, and looks like we got a full-out war, possibly. Uh, yeah, I hope Jean gets Mikasa, mm. though. That's my hope. I, I Do you read the manga or no? No, I do not. I read the manga up to, uh, I guess, the beginning of last season. But I got caught up with it after I watched last season. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just started blowing through it illegally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Frank, you ready to move I'm on? ready if you are. This week we are reviewing a listener request. Not only is it a request, but it's something I've wanted to check out for a while. We have a season two coming in January and a spinoff, hopefully January. And it is 2018 Cells at Work Season 1, or Hataraku Saibo. Streaming on Crunchyroll, Funimation, Netflix, every place you can watch it. There's 13 episodes. The studio's David Production, who did N N No Shubatai, which is, Frank? Uh, it is, I'm not too sure, what is it? Fire, Fire Force. Force. I do love that show. show. Source is a manga by Akane Shimizu. I think it's all he or she did. I have had a hard time finding info. If or listeners didn't know, many mangaka uh, use pen names. Uh, examples, Paru Itagaki, who was the writer of uh, Beastars. And she goes so far as to wear a chicken mask in interviews so you don't know what she looks like. Uh, Jean, comedy, shonen. I personally add slice of life because there is no real ongoing storyline. Just daily disasters in the human body. Synopsis. Strep throat. Hay fever. Influenza. The world's a dangerous place for a red blood cell just trying to get her deliveries finished. Fortunately, she's not alone. She's got a whole human body's worth of cells ready to help her out. The mysterious white blood cell, the buff and brash T-cell, and the nerdy neuron, and even the cute little platelets. Everyone's got to come together if they want to keep you healthy. Frank, go ahead. What do you think of Cells of Work Season 1. So Cells of Work, I feel like, is the definition of edutainment. Um, it never really seems to waver from the fact that, almost first and foremost, uh, it is a show that is there to teach you about how cells work in the human body. Um, you know, throughout the, the episodes, there's constantly uh, – a reminder of what the cells or those characters' role are in the body, what they're doing, how they respond to certain situations as we get them in each episode. And for the most part, each episode kind of works on its own. I would say maybe not all of them. I would say three-fourths of them. They can kind of – you could watch them almost in any order. And then there's a couple standout ones that do, you know, some work with – Certain characters, they'll do little backstories. You know, we get one with red blood cell. Uh, I think the the T cells have one, um, and then kind of the season finale. You probably need a little context to understand what's going on. But uh, for the most part, I feel like you can just turn on whatever, and you're going to kind of get an idea and be able to jump right in. Uh, I do like the fact that they presented the facts and the way that uh, the cells work and the body responds to things every episode. So if you do watch it, 
you know, from 1 to 13, by the end of it, you do have, uh, I, I think, a pretty good understanding of what each cell does. And I think that is kind of the strength of this show. Um, it seems like the show, a type of show that I would love if this was shown in, like, science class. And I, I feel like it, I'm sure there's got to be teachers that are maybe hipper teachers that are using this to, to show maybe in a health class or something like that. Um, it is entertaining enough with, as you had mentioned with the genres, it definitely has a shonen vibe to it where most episodes are usually kind of a monster, a cell, uh, you know, a virus gets introduced and they kind of have to uh, defeat this virus in one way or another. Um, it, it, some of the episodes are very like reminiscent of almost like Power Rangers, especially with uh, the way that the cells are designed, um, which I kind of liked. One of them outright looked like actually uh, Cell and Frieza from Dragon Ball, which I which I thought was was kind of cool. Um, I don't think it does anything you know genre defining or it's it's gonna win any awards in sort of the anime or animation department, which is just very standard. Um, I don't think anything too crazy is going on. But the show is it, you know it's it's surprisingly charming. I do like you know white blood cell and red blood cell and the platelets. They're very cute. Um, it has this very you know cute aspect to it and it is entertaining. It is um, the type of show when I and I you know I've said this a number of times. It is a palate cleansing show. And this is probably the, this is like what I mean when I say, when I say that. So it's not anything super intense or that you have to pay a hundred percent attention to, but at the same time, it is, it's a very enjoyable experience. I'm curious to see what they do in a season two, um, because I, I thought it did a pretty good job of, it could have just very had been one season and, and had been a series. Uh, I would like to actually see a season two. So, I mean, uh, what about you, Jim? What'd you think? It's a show that definitely sticks to the slice of life formula. So it's, you know, it's, we have a ditzy red blood cell who's always lost. We have the white blood cell or a red blood cell who's always lost. We have a white blood cell who's like a murdering psychopath. We have the microphages who are dressed like dainty maidens and often covered with blood and have huge weapons. The pl little platelets are adorable. And it's just every episode they stick to these simple character, does character uh, structure and they go about their business and different things happen and different antibodies and antigens. And it's a very fun show. There's two episodes or arcs that I really enjoyed. One, which I had mentioned last week, was the seer pollen one, where we get an animated version of the internal struggle the body has with dealing with allergies, which you talked about earlier, having allergies. Like, your body reacts to the allergies, but it's doing it so this way you get more symptoms. So at the end of the episode, no spoilers, you know, they have to take the allergy pill, which wipes everything out. It's very cool. And the hemorrhagic shock episode arc, which, uh, you know, you mentioned that most of them are standalone. This, is, I think, is the only one that's like a two-episode arc, um, and which is, like many of these episodes, are tiny disaster films. And I got to ask, it's a rhetorical question, really, but whose body is this, and why are they treating it so poorly? I'm guessing it's like a random, a seriously clumsy random person. 
At first I was thinking, like, is this like an alcoholic? Well, we don't have any chemical dependence. Like, you'd see a bunch of doped up drug cell or uh, blood cells, but we don't. It's, I think this person's just ridiculously clumsy. Um, but I can't have go- all good things, can I, Frank? I do have some negatives. The animation, and you mentioned it, is not great. Even in the OP, of which the song is amazing, There's, it's, it's kind of sketchy looking. And there's a bunch of random stick figure, figure background characters or characters with no facial expression. I'm not sure if this, especially the stick figures, if that was a device in the manga, but it just looks like cost-cutting in the anime. And the season finale was about the common cold, which I think could have been a little bit longer. They could should have done a two-part arc with the common cold uh, maybe earlier in the show. Besides that, I found the show very funny. It's full of action. It's entertaining. It's violent as hell with lots of destruction and blood, but it's so educational. Every episode teaches you a lesson and reminds you of the lessons you learned earlier. So you're always learning something. I agree with you. This should be shown at least in high schools during first aid class. This show should be a high school show for kids. It should be in all of them. I did look up at they had a cross promotion with the Red Cross, uh, sells at work in the Red Cross where they work together to, uh, do fun, fun, or blood, a blood drive where you got like, stuff from the show like memorabilia if you gave blood this is a great show uh frank what's your new taku ranking or anything else to add no i mean you had pretty much covered everything i i am curious to see what season two would hold because for the most part i mean the show doesn't do too much in terms of individual character arcs uh you know probably the most is red blood cell she you know has a, a pretty easy one where she goes from kind of, you know, not being as uh, sure of herself or confident and kind of ends up in a place that seems like she had gained confidence. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm definitely interested to see where it is and if they're going to do a little bit more character developing and, and overall arcs and stuff like that. But even if they stick to their format that they're doing now, I mean, I would be here for it. And like you had said, I had actually wondered all the way up until the end of the show if we were going to get a reveal of whose body this was and, like, what what exactly is going on in their life because they're getting pretty messed up. <laughs> I hope they eventually pan out. Like, imagine them panning out and they leave the person whose body they're in and it becomes live action. It's actually the manga cut. He's sitting there writing drawing the that would be amazing like such a nice little twist on it that'd be so cool yeah that would be good that would be a, a great ending actually you should write to them write write a letter and, and tell them to do I should. <laughs> this is how you should do it i know more than uh all right frank your new talk so this one was very difficult for me uh i went with it's all good but do not take that in a way that means that this show is bad it is just on the cusp of being, uh, I feel like, a must-watch for me. But I went with It's All Good. I went with must-watch. I think the show is ridiculously fun. It is educational programming done perfectly. I loved it. The big catch for me with the show was that the animation was not great. But the characters and story completely overpower it. I really loved it, and I absolutely cannot wait until season two. There are enough things that can go wrong with the human body that we could do this forever if you wanted to. But that poor body is just getting abused. <laughs> one good thing I'd like to point out was when they got the blood transfusion. In the one, I'm not going to give it away, but 
there's a certain story arc where a blood train, well, you don't know what happens, but like a bunch of red blood cells show up and they're all wearing different uniforms. And our red blood cells like reacting like, who are these people? I've never seen them before. Meanwhile, meanwhile, there's billions of cells. You wouldn't see them all. It's so silly. But you find out, and you, you kind of get, it kind of hints at that they got a blood transfusion. It's like now they have new blood cells hanging out with them, but they look a little bit different, but they all work together. It's, it's, it's a great show. It's really good. I highly recommend it. Frank. Listener questions. Send us questions on Instagram and Twitter at MitakuCast or email us at Mitaku2019 at gmail.com and we will read them on the air. We heard our news about Orange Studios and here's our question. With Orange Studios saying they will remake a familiar title, what title would you like a remake of? Frank, I'll let you go first. Sure. So I kind of gave it some thought, did a little uh, did a little research on them and kind of what they're known for. And they had, you know, first started out doing CG for, I guess they had become known for doing CG for mechs, mecha shows and things like that. So I thought it would be an interesting thing if they would do a remake of uh, Code Gaius, because it seems like it would be ripe for something that would be, that would do well as CG, especially from the mech department. Uh, And that show is now over 12 years old. It has a pretty dedicated fan base. It seems like it would make money if if they did do it. Um, And then another one that was, that would have, I think be interesting is if they did, Shaman King, which is a show that I had mentioned that I had gotten, kind of got me into anime when I was younger, and I know very recently they kind of started about, they started talking about doing the creator, whose name escapes me, revisiting uh, the universe again and things like that, and uh, I think it would be interesting to kind of see, especially if they're doing a CG thing, uh, to see sort of a a shonen show get get put with that because I like Beastars and I I think that the the CG was good in it so I mean I, I'm here for something something cool like that. Hiroyuki Takai is the creator of Shaman King. Boom! It is from the year being it originally started in 1998. There, there you go. go. Cool. I uh, also went with like a little bit outside the box with my answer. Um, you went with Code Geass with, like, obviously, because Code Geass, maybe not obviously, but Code Geass is associated with Sun, Sunrise Production. Sunrise Production isn't going to let go of any of their products. They're not going to let somebody else on their studio do it. You know, and it's, I was running for my head mech shows as well. One of them, being an older one, would be uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, or as it's known here, uh, Robotech Season 1. Like, that would be really cool to see them do mech. And that I love the way mech looks, and it, it, CGI works for mech. But also, I went with, uh, you know, because of B stars and with the animals and the anthropomorphic characters, I went outside the box and said I'd go with an American property, and I picked Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo. You know, are you familiar? I am familiar. Okay, you really went outside of the box. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I was. I was thinking like it would be a cool. You know, a rabbit, ronin, samurai, bodyguard, period action drama, I think it would be pretty fucking cool if done by uh, Orange Studios. Of course, I don't think they will do it because it is American, an American property, but something like that would be really cool. I'm into their uh, their animal uh, depictions in Beastars, and I think they could do that. So I think we were kind of on the same page. It's pretty cool. Good question. So, Frank, 
we have to ask because we have coming up in the next couple of weeks we have our preview for summer if you mm-hmm. can believe that then we'll have our summer review and our Nutaku prestigious might I say Nutaku awards for spring so we have to pick what we're going to watch next week so I kept it to short things because we only had a couple days to blow it out especially if we don't watch too much Kim's convenience instead <laughs> <clears throat> Frank um all right, so here's your list of things we can watch. Yep. Ready? You get to select. So, 1998 film Demon City Shinjuku on YouTube. It has a English job, which is probably ridiculous. We can do the 2004-13 episode series Elfin Lied, which I've been pushing on you forever. That's available on High Dive. You know what High Dive means? It means boo. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Although the boobies in this aren't uh, too uh, exciting. Uh, it does have boobies, but you're not supposed to get a boner over them. Also, I have Your Name, which I can lend you on Blu-ray, which involves breaking uh, quarantine. Uh, we can watch uh, Satoshi Kon's Paprika, which we can rent for three bucks on Amazon. Or we can do one of the Studio Ghibli films available on HBO Max. Frank, what do you think? Well, I think... Just because it is a little timely and it has just, you know, come out, I think we should do a Studio Ghibli film. Okay. So we will discuss off-air, because there's, I don't know, 20 of them. We will discuss in our own time what we're going to watch, and then we'll review it next week. That sounds perfect. Okay. Studio Ghibli next week. Anything else to add, Frank, before we get out of here? Uh... It's a beautiful day. I don't want to be. I don't want to be stuck inside on on my head. No, no, definitely. Uh, you definitely don't. Uh, I just want to say, um, yeah, uh, Black Lives Matter. Fuck fascism. There you go. Reform the police department. Black Lives Matter. Stop fucking being scumbags. Thanks for joining us this week. <laughs> Once again, please share us with your friends and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NitakuGas. Send us questions and show requests. Our email is nutaku2019 at gmail.com, and we will talk about all of them on the air. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify, and go give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And please subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jim. And I'm Frank. Gone bate. Gone bate.